Do you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, <laughs> thinking you're just going to love her latest selection? <laughs> and inevitably, you just can't stand that book that she suggested. That's us. Oh, yeah. We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read. I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds. They invite magic and mystery into our lives. They're amazing. Science fiction and fantasy rule. I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. You can keep all that stuff. Okay. Welcome to our podcast, You're Making Me Read What? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books, and each month we'll alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a read that she would never have picked up on her own. Some months. Right. Some months we would never have picked it up on our own. Well, even if this book or any book isn't entirely your style, it may have some redeeming qualities to it. Right? I guess we'll see. We'll see. Do you want to do the spoiler alert? Sure. Spoiler so, alert. Spoiler alert. This month we read or listened to mm -hmm. The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Haddon. Mm -hmm. And it turns out we'd both read the book before. Mm -hmm. um, I remembered exactly 0.0% of the book. <laughs> I remembered the title. I don't know if that counts. But I was like, wow, this is really good. Who knew this was going to happen? Did you remember what color the cover was? I did. It's a okay. very bright orange. Then that is all that you really need Correct. to know. Because if we've learned nothing from our combined decades of librarianship, it's if you know what the book cover looks like, you probably have enough information. True. Yeah. And especially good. I even remembered that there was an upside down dog on it. So I felt like I... I nailed it. If I was your college English teacher, uh -huh. I would have given you an A+. Super. Yeah. Okay. Well, you don't even need to know that there isn't really a magical ending to this, but no. there are some twists because um, he's solving a mystery. He is, yes. And the book is um, written from the point of view that we have a narrator who is um, a young man named Christopher. He is 15 years, nine. He gives a very precise accounting of his he has Age. a love of numbers. He's yes. a mathematician. He is. He's 15 point number, 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 number. Right. As long as pi. Right. Yes. To tw the, the 23rd coefficient. Yeah. Um, sure. I think I said a math thing there. Coefficient. Should I be your math teacher as well? I will also give you an A plus. Thank you. Um, so You're he rocking school today. I know. I should quit now. <laughs> Go home. Can I have my, my report card now in writing, please? <laughs> Would you like a lollipop? Yes. So he, he discovers that his next-door neighbor's dog has been murdered, mm -hmm. and he decides that he's going to solve this mystery. A because he's, side. Yes, because mm -hmm. he has watched shows, and he knows how things go down. Mm -hmm. And he's a fan of logic. He is very much a fan mm -hmm. of logic. And one of the interesting things, this book's um, about 20 years old. Yeah. And I read it when it came out. I listened to it when it came out. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember that Haddon very specifically never mentions the word autism or nope. autistic. Mm -mm. There's nothing that says neurodivergent. He nope. goes to a special school and he does call it special. Mm -hmm. And he calls his colleagues special. Mm -hmm. But that's really the only nomenclature that we get. Well, that's the only nomenclature you get in the book. Yes. In subsequent, so like the first printing, it didn't really say anything on the cover, but when it gained a ton of popularity, mm -hmm. the more editions and more covers, it started using the phrase Asperger's on the cover. It did. Okay. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I reread it, mm -hmm. but then I, you know, we do our research and stuff and I was looking into the author more mm -hmm. specifically because I couldn't find a ton about him, mm -hmm. which was 
weird because right. the internet is vast. <laughs> and maybe I am and some just, of it's true. Maybe I'm just a kind searcher because yeah. I wasn't like looking around for like, oh, what's that guy been doing in the last five right. years? No, I was just kind of doing cursory searches. And he purposefully didn't use those phrases or talk mm-hmm. about that because he himself is not on the spectrum. Okay. And he did not, like he did some research, mm-hmm. but that's not what the book was about. Right. That just happened to be a part of the book. And so the fact that that became such a, a cornerstone of yes. what people remember about this book that uh, most people believe that our, our main character, Christopher John Francis Boone, um, which I like his full name, Christopher John Francis Boone, it's fine, um, that this is a very approachable yeah. way to, to get to understand someone who might think a little bit differently than you if you yourself are not New York veteran. The fact that they focus on that so much, it sounds like it was getting kind of irritating to him. Yeah. And I found one site, and I didn't write it down, I'll have to go back and find it later, that said he kept getting called to come and speak at lectures like he was an expert <laughs> right. on on the autism spectrum, right. which he is not. Right. And that is not what he intended to do with this. So I thought that was a really interesting, like, sidebar as mm-hmm. I finish this up. Like, okay. I think he really— Interesting guy. Yeah. I think yeah. He, he was a children's author before this. Mm-hmm. And so it struck me—and I didn't do a lot of research about him afterwards, after reading the book. Um, but he just strikes me, based on this book, as being a very empathetic person. Mm-hmm. Like, he's looking at the world through the perspective— of the person that he's, you know, channeling. And he's being very tender. Well, so part of what I, I'm not going to use the word perceived, but part of what I funk about it, because as, as I was doing my research, I kept pulling out these little tidbits. Mm-hmm. Part of what he talked about in interviews and in other kind of documentation was he did not purposely develop this character as someone that, you would say like, oh, this is where you are on the spectrum. At that point in time, you would have been identified as having Asperger's. But he did say he had two people in his real life that he pulled aspects of this characteristics from, Mm -hmm. and he would not have identified them as being on the spectrum. Okay. So like, you know, there's the portion of the book where he um, goes kind of catatonic, like he's really upset. Uh, He's just learned that um, his mom is not dead, like he thought he was. And that could be a, a, a pointing sign for someone who might be on the spectrum. It could be a lot of other things, though. Sure. So it was interesting when I was rereading it, trying to think, like, what do I, what do I think's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. He if th- I was an armchair doctor. Right. What's the way I think's happening? Right. Yeah. And I totally interrupted myself. I started— Oh, and then I kept going. So we double interrupted you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What were we talking about? <laughs> I was trying to give a summary, and then I got— way like turned to really? took a left turn and then i just oh, wow. kept going okay um, i will so, shush i will shush no no you can help i don't want to <laughs> <laughs> so christopher is 15 something years old yeah and he is very logical and literal mm-hmm. he has some um behavioral quirks that include like um what his dad calls groaning when he needs to mm-hmm. um kind of drown out whatever Self-so- other self-soothe yeah yep so drown out the the auditory noise mm-hmm. he also uses um the white noise from a radio he'll tune it to a station that doesn't exist and yep. just listen the to this yep yeah. so um he sees that this dog has been murdered then he decides he's going to solve the murder and along the way he finds out things like his mom who 
died two years ago, didn't really die. He, she took off with the neighbor. She left with the next door neighbor. Yeah. And the dad has been parenting solo. Yep. Um, this kid who runs away regularly because for a variety of reasons, we yep. don't really get the backstory, but we know yep. that it happens enough that the dad's used to it. And um, he just, they have kind of a rough time together. Yeah. But I think one of the sweetest things is at the beginning of the book, after he discovers the dog and he's taken to the police station because he decks a policeman because the, the policeman Touched touches him, him yep. and he's very sensitive to touch. Yep. And he gets let off with a, a police citation. Yep. A warning. He gets a warning. Yep. But the dad comes in and he's furious and, you know, understandably so. And he wants yep. to see his kid and, and he desperately, you can tell he desperately wants to hug him because he's just been yep. so upset and worried and tormented by yep. Christopher's absence. This is in the middle of the night. Yep. And he does, and this is from Christopher's very logical perspective, and he says, so dad does the, what he does when we, he wants to hug me, and he holds up the fingers of his right hand in a, all spaced out, and we touch fingertips. And it, it just struck me as such a tender um, way to explain from Christopher's very logical point of view. He doesn't want or need yeah. the physical touch, yeah. but he understands that his dad does, but he also understands that he can't have it. He can't do yeah. it. Well, kind of the the same logic flip side of it. So Christopher's dad, whose name is Ed. Father Ed. I wrote Father Ed. Maybe that's not the way I should have written him. He's not a priest. He's not. He's an HVAC consultant. I wrote him Father Ed and Mother Judy. So, so Father Ed, um, uh, spoiler alert, is the one who kills the dog. Yes. Yeah. So Christopher finds this dog. He gets a little notebook. He's got a Sherlock Holmes, this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize until I read this the second time that the title of the book is a callback to a Sherlock Holmes book. I didn't realize that at all. Yeah. Awesome. I don't know which one, and I did not dig that far in, but right. he did. So, you know, Christopher's doing his research. His dad takes his notebook away. Christopher goes into his dad's room to try and find it, finds letters from his mom dated after she died. Dun, dun, dun. Which is super weird. Like, how could this have happened? Right. Did someone else pretend to be mother? Yes. It was, it was kind of sad. It's very sweet. It was very sweet and very sad, and you're like, oh, honey, mm, okay. <laughs> Um, his dad tells him the truth. He runs away to go to his mom. But before all of that, his dad reveals that he had been – so the mom ran away with the neighbor, Mr. Shears. Sure. And then the dad hooked up with the mom, Mrs. Mrs. Shears. <laughs> and then – oh, gosh, I cannot remember. She broke it off with the dad or they were in a fight or something. And so he took – what in England is called a garden fork. Yes. It's <laughs> one of my favorite things. Yes. <laughs> Love it. And stabbed In the his... U.S. call it a pitchfork. Or, yeah, pitchfork. <laughs> I'm sure there's a better word too, but in my head it was like a trowel. Right. Like it was a little, right. you know those little tiny ones that you right. hold in your hand? And it's still a tiny, tiny pitchfork, but it's so shrinky. Right. It's not a whole biggie guy. Yeah. Anyways, so the dad in anger jabs this thing into that dog and kills him. And so Christopher is like... Well, that's not how you react to that. That's not what I would have done if this had happened to me. What a weird way to do that. And it was a very logical process mm-hmm. for how he would have reacted to a situation versus he knows that his father and other people have these different ways that they see the world around him. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't – It's that is never how he would have reacted to that. Right. Yeah. And his reaction is so interesting because he goes very methodically, well mm-hmm. – most people who are killed are killed by people in their households or right next door or right nearby. It's mm-hmm. you're not it's not stranger danger, which he 
is also an authority on stranger danger. We get a lot of information on He's stranger danger. He's run away danger. a lot of times. Yes. Yes, he knows those things. So, but he just methodically goes through. It's mm-hmm. most likely to be somebody that you know. It's most likely to be somebody either in your house or on your street. So he goes up and down the block interviewing people. Yeah. Knock, knock. <laughs> Hi there. Do you kill this dog? No? Okay, and he's not you. making any eye contact with him. Mm-mm. So no. I, I just thought it was an interesting portrayal. Yeah. And a, to me, you know, I, I asked you to read this time, kind of to compare it with um, The Maid. The Maid. And I still can't articulate what felt more sincere or empathetic mm-hmm. to me, but this rendition of somebody on a neurodivergent uh, with neurodivergence um, felt more compassionate to me than huh. than the maid, the rendering in the maid. And I don't know why. I can't articulate huh. it. So the sequel to the maid is now out. Yes, and I am on hold in our library nice. system. Number three digits somewhere. Um, I still like that one better. Did you? Okay. Yeah. So I read this one when it came out, maybe a year or two after it came out. Because I originally thought like, oh yeah, this came out like 10 years ago. Did not 20. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah. It's weird how it does that. Uh, But I read this, I don't know, when I was in college. Mm -hmm. So three or four or something years after it came out. It was was fine. I remember enjoying it and Mm -hmm. setting aside. When you suggested, I was like, oh, good. I would reread this one. Right. And in rereading it, I was like, that was okay. So it didn't do it for you. Did not. I mean, it didn't. It did not do it for sure. me. But it wasn't like I was clamoring mm-hmm. for more. Did you remember what? I had didn't happened? like the ending. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So talk about that. What did you not like about it? Um, it's boring. <laughs> fair. <laughs> okay. That's fair. So, so uh, if we're going to compare and contrast, sure. So the end of the maid. Mm-hmm. Um, she has the the murders have been solved. Mm-hmm. Um, she has found an opportunity to move forward like you can see that something is coming next Mm -hmm. and at the end of this book so christopher has run away to his mom Uh, his mom and mr shears uh are not kind of rubbing along well together Mm -hmm. he's having some issues with her son being there and she doesn't like that and so they come back um and he is uh gonna take his a levels he's studying he's trying to rebuild his relationship with his dad his rat Yes. Mouse? Rat? Toby. 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 Yeah. Toby, the rat, <laughs> passes away. Right. And then his dad gets him a his dad gets him a puppy, right. which is a lovely little full cycle. Like, hey, I killed a dog. Let me give you a different dog. <laughs> that puppy's like, hmm, hmm, maybe not safe here. Yes. And at the end, he's he's very optimistic, right? Mm-hmm. So he's he's fifteen. He's part of this is like a coming of age novel, mm-hmm. just a little differently right. told. Um, but I just kind of got to the end and I was like, Okay. It did go out with a whimper rather than a bang. Yes. It was very mellow. Like there was no climax. Agreed. The climax, there wasn't even really a climax anywhere in there because you'd think it might be who killed the dog, who killed Wellington. Yeah. And that's just an aside. Yeah. And that was like, oh, yeah, hey, I did that. And then it's Christopher (laughs) saying like, oh, that was weird. I I would have done that. And then he runs away. And that's like at least three fifths into the book. Yeah. Uh, And then you keep going. And he runs away and he finds his mom. Fine. But that's not very climactic either. Right. And I don't know. It just felt very monotone, I guess, for me. I think that's an excellent description. And I 
think, I wonder if that was intentional because sure. a lot of his life is monotone. It's yeah. very logical. He yeah. doesn't have high highs. He doesn't have, well, his low lows are low. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's usually because he's overwhelmed by stimulants Absolutely. that he can't, you know, yeah. deal And it's with. not that I didn't like it. Sure. It was fine. Yeah. But I'm excited to read the sequel right. of The Maid. Right. And if there was a sequel of this book that came out, I might... I might. Yeah. But I wouldn't be clamoring for it. Yeah. And it's not because it's not well written because the author is obviously a very great author. I just didn't connect with it the same way. That is fascinating to me. And I am I like that. Like I think that's – again, I think we talked uh, in the past about you and I have very similar values. Mm-hmm. We have so much in common yeah. and yet our <laughs> needs in literature are Absolutely. very different. Well, and isn't that the joy of a book? Absolutely. Is, there are millions of them. Right. We, we say that every every time we do this in right. the, the X of the podcast, there's millions of books out there. Right. And we're we're not all going to connect with them the same way, even if we do have a very similar reading taste. Right. And in rereading them, you might not pick up on the same things. Yeah. You might not. Because we're different people when we read things. Right. Um, it was fine. Yeah. Um, and I, <laughs> I, as I was reading it, so the first time I read it, I just read it for me. Sure. And this time I was reading it thinking about what we were going to talk about. And one of the biggest things I could not figure out is you listen to this book. Uh-huh. And there are a ton <laughs> of non-written pieces yeah. to this. I don't even know if you know about them. So that's a great point. Um, yeah. I, the first time I read it, I was in a book club. Yeah. And I remember flipping through and going, holy cow. <laughs> there's so much more. There's a whole other layer to this book. So I should have marked the pages. But there's – he goes through. There's diagrams. There's maps. There's illustrations. And my favorite one. Oh, I should, and there's um, there's pictures of constellations. Uh-huh. Like, there's a whole suite of things in here that if you're not reading it, reading it, I right. don't know how you would get it. Yeah. So there's a section in here where he was talking about – he wants to be – a mathematician, or he, he is a mathematician. Right. And one of the book covers described him as a 15-year-old mathematician, air quote, with some behavioral difficulties, <laughs> um, which I thought was amusing. So there's a section in here, it's like a third of the way through the book, and he's talking about how um, he likes math. Mm-hmm. And he likes math because it's logical mm-hmm. and you can solve problems. And so he's giving this example uh, from a TV show and then from a magazine that he read. And so he's got them all kind of structured out, and then he talks about math. Like, here are your exponents, uh, here's your hypothesis, here's your statements. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, he gives this picture, and he says, well, and this is a direct quote from the book. The second way you can work it out is by making a picture of all of the possible outcomes. So at the top, there's a box, and it says, you are asked to open a door. And then there's three arrows that come off the box. And one box says, you choose a door with a goat behind it. Mm -hmm. And the next one says... You choose a door with a goat behind it. <laughs> and then the next one says, you choose a door with a car behind it. This is the Monty Python. I mean, the Monty, Monty Hall, Hall exit. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's a little flow chart. Yeah. I could not imagine what that was conveyed to you as, right. as you were listening. So what was it? Very similar to what you really? were doing. Yeah. Oh. I think he did a nice job. Okay. It was very and, – and the constellations, obviously, I am – well, not obviously. I am not someone who pictures constellations in her brain. Hmm. So I just, I didn't even try. I, you know, okay. I listened to what the description mm-hmm. was. Okay. But it wasn't, to me, it was not. Um, so they didn't gloss over it. No, no, 
no, it was yeah. it was very thoroughly explained. Yeah. Um, and some of the stuff, including the the maths, you know, how he talks about you just the let like that wash yep, over I did. you. I yep. didn't even try. I was like, good for you. So I'm gonna show you another one. So this is when he is running away, uh-huh. and he's gonna go find his mom. So this is a little map of the area of England he's talking <laughs> right. about, and it's got a little dot that says Swindon, which is uh, where he starts, and right. it's got a little dot that says London, which is where he's going, and then it's got a little line between them, mm-hmm. and it's to give you some scope. Right. Um, and I was like, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> I like that this book has little 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 secrets. There's a picture of a cow. With dots With or not dot. dots. Yes. yes. Whether it's it's all about perception. Exactly. Um, so I appreciate, I've read a number of books where illustrations are such a huge part of them mm-hmm. that I would feel bereft if I didn't have that. But if you don't know that they're not there, right. what does it matter? Right. So I was just, when I was rereading it this time, I was thinking about you. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder how it was described. I wonder how that came across. And I will say that in books like... Um, heavier, uh, denser histories or biographies, I do struggle with that because often they have um, a family history, like a family tree mm-hmm. in the back, if you're talking about royalty. Yeah. And I just don't remember enough of that. I yeah. always have to flip back and forth and, or they'll have maps and I, yeah. I just, you know, so I just, I give myself kind of a pass that I'm just not going to get bogged down. Well, if you think way back when to our very first podcast, when we, we recorded uh, We Free Men with uh-huh. Terry Pratchett. Yes. Terry Pratchett loves a footnote. <laughs> that man loves a footnote. Multiple footnotes, and they're all silly and funny. And part of the fun of picking up the book and, like, opening it is you don't, you don't want to skim ahead. But you know that there is a chunk of footnotes coming your way. Nice. <sighs> There's just such joy in that for me. <laughs> Yay. I don't really – now I have a non sequitur because I'm going to bring us back to the book. Uh, is, it about Gordon, is it about Garden Forks? It is not. Oh, okay. I'll still, I'll still participate. Okay. okay. Thank you. You're very generous. Um, so one of the things that was interesting to me is that the throughout the book, the dad, Ed, is Father billed, Ed. <laughs> Father Ed, is billed <laughs> as being the, um, the patient parent, and the mom is billed as being the really impatient parent, which is why she flees, and she just, she knows she's impatient and that it's not good for their dynamic. But I had a little problem with that because... <laughs> Yeah. Ed mm-hmm. stabbed a dog, stabs a dog mm-hmm. with a garden fork, mm-hmm. and he also had some anger issues. Now, mm-hmm. I totally understand where, particularly as a single parent dealing with a, a any child, child, any, any child, child at all, but particularly one that um, really needed a lot of help and, yeah. um, you know, coddling, yeah. um, where that would be an issue. Yeah. However, and, and then I also... I thought it was interesting, like, you, I went back and forth because Haddon does a nice job, I think, of showing how devastated the dad is. And he's yeah. just, he's just beyond, like, he just can't do it. Like, yeah. he's trying so hard yeah. and he just needs more help. But then you read the letters, some of the letters that the mom sent. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my goodness, thank heaven she left because... Yeah. You don't blame a child for, and no. she keeps saying, "Oh, I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming you." I'm like, but, "No, you are." Yeah, you I'm not exactly 100 blamed. Him. I didn't think you were to read this, <laughs> right. but then you did read it. <laughs> well, so I, I picked up on that a little bit, and I think, I don't know if I had to guess, it was it's kind of the dichotomy of it, right? So they talk about the dad being the patient one, the mom being the impatient one, but that was with the pretext of she's dead, right? And the dad is the patient one because he stayed. He's here. He's taking care of things. He has to. He's who you're stuck with. But, right, it was his mom was supposed to have died a year and a half or two years, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. 
And so over the course of those two years, those roles flip because mom has been hanging out in London with mm-hmm. Loverboy. Right. Just chilling. Writing, no responsibility. Writing nonsense letters. <laughs> and dad has been here doing all the work. So now dad is impatient and right. committing pupperside. Right. And then mom is just ready for her son to flee back into her arms. Right. Like at the end of the book, they're, you know, um, Christopher's living with mom mm-hmm. and they're trying to set up a schedule where he can go visit his dad, but kind of supervised. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, they flip flopped. Yeah. And then I guess if we talk about it in two years before Christopher goes off to college where he wants to live by himself in a little box, um, (laughs) it might flip-flop again because, you know, it's a lot to raise a child. I actually thought it had already flip-flopped. To me, the ending was the mom had a little bit of grace in her and decided that she wasn't going to poison the dad, poison Christopher against the dad. Because initially she was. Mm -hmm. She was mad enough. Oh, my God, you said I was dead. Are you kidding me? And she blew a gasket, which... Understandable, of course. course. Um, But then she realizes that she would be in over her head too. Like in the very short amount of time that he lives with her, which is like a matter of days, two or three days. Um, And then she says, we have to go back to Swindon because we can't do this. And to me, that was her light bulb moment of, I left for a reason. It didn't work out with this, with Loverboy, but I left for a reason. I can't do this alone. And then the dad... So the interesting thing to me with the dad was that Christopher became afraid of him because he lied. Yeah. And because, as you pointed out, Christopher couldn't relate to why you would stab a dog with a pitchfork. Yep. And so he felt unsafe around his dad. Yeah. And there was no logic that he could follow there. Right. And because the logic chain got broken, he didn't know what was going to happen. Next. No expectations. Yep. He, so he, he figured he was in danger. Yep. So, and then the dad, I thought, did a really lovely, compelling job of working on Christopher's terms to yes. figure out how they could fix it. And he yeah. said, it's not going to be soon, but every single day, maybe you do one minute one day and two minutes the next day, yeah. which, again, is something that Christopher understands. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a schedule. He loves schedules. Those are intervals. Yeah. You just keep build, 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 build. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a good book. It yeah. was It was fine. It was enjoyable to read. I don't know that I'll pick it up again for another 20 years, and that's okay, too. We have a date. <laughs> I'm ready for it. 20 years from now. Will we be podcasting then? Of course we will. <laughs> and then it'll just be – it'll be like those um, those actors who start podcasts where they talk about the individual episodes of the TV show that they were in. Right. So we'll talk about our podcast. We're just going to talk about our own podcast where we talk about our own book. I got news for you. Ah. We kind of just did that. You started talking about the We Free – Men. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we've already in the Chappy Chappy book. So yeah. it's we've already devolved into talking about ourselves again. Navel gazing. We are on top of it. We are <laughs> so ready to go. Do you want to hear about the delight that I have of coming for you next month? I do, but will you do me a favor and give me my report card first? Oh yes. Um I am no one can see this. I have my hand held and I'm writing eight pluses all over okay, it. And so I'm gonna give you a high five. There you nice. go. Nice. Okay. Report card received. Excellent. Thank you. Report high five. Um, <laughs> so next month we are going to read a an, a true sci-fi classic. Oh, no. Um, I, I don't know if you're going to. I don't like. I'm weeping already. Most of them I kind of have a feeling like, oh, this is probably not going to sit real well with her. Um, <laughs> and you do it anyway. Uh, well, yeah. That's the whole point. This is a podcast about growth. Okay. Thanks. You're welcome. It's all for you. I don't need to grow. I'm good. But I'm glad that you're enjoying this opportunity. Um so next month, we're going to read Journey to the Center of the Earth by Jules Verne. Okay. Which you, I'm sure, have read several times. Never. Before. Never read it. You're going to love it. Okay. I don't even need to describe it because the whole description is in the title. 
thank you for joining us on You're Making Me Read What? Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, there are millions more where that came from. And don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library. So join us next month when you will probably be rereading because you have already read <laughs> Journey to the Center of the Earth by Jules, J-U-L-E-S, Fern. <laughs> thank you so much and keep on reading. <laughs> <laughs>